It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, Week 5 for 2023, as we roll along with our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and the stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. The Big East's Big Four are defending the home floor with every fiber of their being. Right now, the schedule gives the apparent advantage to the home team. If we're to believe what the numbers are telling us thus far, the top four teams in the league are currently 8-0 and against each other on their home floors. Xavier suffered a major injury this week, yet went out and battled Providence right to the bitter end, winning an overtime game as a final shot rimmed out. Marquette found themselves down to Villanova at home in the second half and managed to squeeze another win into the win column on Wednesday night. So, Kev, you want some true grit right now in the Big East? I don't think you have to look any further than the top of the league standings. And, John, talk about exciting games. You know, a few weeks ago we saw Marquette with that double overtime loss at Providence. And how about the Providence Friars at Xavier? Back and forth, back and forth, overtime, can't get it done. No one can get it done on the road. It's been unbelievable. And I expect even more close games, but maybe a couple wins by some of these road teams the rest of the season. Well, the top four teams in the conference at the moment, Xavier, Marquette, Providence, Creighton, combined home record of 46 and three. That's extraordinary. A breakthrough on the road by any of these teams down the stretch could certainly bring them a Big East championship, but a loss at home to anyone might also bring a similar result to somebody else. Well, just to expand it a little bit, John, uh, Connecticut might be off the pace in the top four in the league, but you know, are the top rated team in the Big East in the, in the NCAA's net and yep. in Ken Palm. Right. If you throw them into this, uh, you know, difficult road warrior challenge, one in 12. So, uh, with only Xavier winning at Connecticut. So you just go even deeper. It's the best teams are protecting their home court. And guess what? That's the fastest route available to an NCAA tournament bid. All right. Sounds like a plan. Let's hit the highlights in this week's Big East headlines. It's not the first injury of the season in a league as physical as this one, but certainly it's a significant injury among league leaders. Xavier Zach Fremantle will be out of the Musketeers lineup for up to a month, hurting his left foot that he originally had surgery on more than a year ago with a stress issue. Fremantle averaging better than 15 points and eight rebounds per game, playing his way into almost certain postseason accolades, The hope is, however, he'll be back by the Big East Tournament. Wednesday night in the Big East featured a couple of nail-biters, one in Cincinnati, the other in Milwaukee. Xavier fought through the loss of Fremantle in their lineup in Sule Boom, Jack Nungy, and Colby Jones each scored 20 or more in an 85-83 overtime win over Providence. Marquette was led by Tyler Kolick once again and turned away a challenge from Villanova, winning their fourth straight and for the ninth time in 10 games. Creighton, after beating Georgetown, is just a game and a half back. While Xavier lost a big player, Villanova got one back this week as senior guard Justin Moore returned to play last weekend after 10 months following an Achilles tear in last year's NCAA tournament. His return to the Wildcats lineup has turned Villanova into a team to be reckoned with down the stretch. As of midweek, five Big East teams were ranked in the top 35 of the net. Eight teams remain in the top 90. In the Ken Palm metric, five are in the top 28 this week. Eight are in the top 80. 
As for the popularity vote, four Big East teams remain in place within the AP Top 25 and the USA Today coaches polls this week. Marquette, Providence, Xavier, UConn receiving the attention of the poll voters. Creighton again receiving votes in both of those outlets. So, Kevin, at this stage, the teams seem to be guarding the yard, so to speak, trying to steal one on the road. It might be as simple as just checking the home schedules to who's coming up next. Road wins right now almost seem like they count for double. No, they certainly do, and they certainly do in both the uh, net rankings and the Ken Palm. You know, this time of year, it's just so tough to win on the road. Uh, John, I did want to go back and address both uh, Fremantle and Justin Moore. Uh, sure. Best of luck to to Fremantle. Obviously, he's had a great career at Xavier. They've had an awful lot of wins with him in the lineup. Uh, you hope that when he does come back, uh, hopefully before that Big East tournament, uh, that his introduction into the lineup goes smoothly. Uh, Justin Moore, he's a first-team All-Big East player if he's not injured, maybe the preseason player of the year if he's not injured. He, he's rusty. Uh, in his first two games, he, he looked like a guy coming off a severe injury. It's going to take Justin Moore a little time. Again, I just hope that he looks like Justin Moore by the time we get to March. All right, and Kevin, you mentioned UConn. I got to drop in Seton Hall here because Seton Hall is seven and five in the Big East. They're ahead of UConn in the standings. The last time a team finished two games over 500 in the league and didn't make the NCAAs was in the first year of the new league. St. John's finished 10 and eight. So the Pirates are coming on at the right time, but they also need to prove that they can do it on the road. Well, like those teams above them, uh, they have opportunities on the road. If they want to go into Providence and get a win, for example, uh, I believe that's the last game on the schedule for both teams. Great opportunity for Shaheen Holloway's team. Thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us this season. Thanks for catching us on Sirius XM. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. For more on the podcast, you can always visit us online, www.twitb.buzzsprout.com. And you can listen to the show online at either westwoodonesports.com or bigeast.com. Inside episode five this week, a familiar and successful name in the college basketball coaching ranks returned to the sideline this season after a short time away, and he just couldn't stay off the bench forever. The best part, old friends and acquaintances welcomed him back with open arms. Nope, it's not Sean Miller at Xavier, but Thad Mata at Butler, where Mata once played and coached. This week's national perspective comes from the always plugged in CBS Sports John Rothstein as teams at the top begin jockeying for seeds, others climb onto and pop off of the old bubble. And the learning curve in the Big East is usually steep for younger players. But one of those at UConn is figuring out how to keep climbing upward. Sophomore shooting guard Jordan Hawkins joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Sonogo, dribble penetration on Nunji. Kicks it back to Hawkins, who sets and fires. Hawkins, good. It's a three ball. It's a triple, baby. With a left hand dribble, skips it over to Hawkins into the paint. Hawkins up fake, puts it up. In! Oh! He was in traffic. Someone clipped him. He put it in. Hawkins got a huge smile on his face. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. One thing the Huskies of UConn have going for them this season is the ability to score. 
Inside, Adama Sanogo, Donovan Klingen, certainly making their play- presence felt. Outside, well, let's just say there are options. One of those big ones comes from 6'5 sophomore guard Jordan Hawkins, who was Big East All-Freshman a year ago. He's definitely showing up on the opposition's scouting report these days. Jordan joins us this week in the Big East. Jordan, where would you say your biggest improvement has come from over the past year? Just my decision-making. Uh, I feel like the game slowed down for me uh, coming from last year. I'm starting to see things differently. Uh, I'm starting to try to get the guys open, uh, create shots. John, I like shooters, and Jordan Hawkins can certainly get as hot as anyone in the league. Uh, Jordan, how much confidence have you gained in the last year uh, with your ability to shoot the ball, especially from the three-point line? Um, I mean, my confidence is, is, is through the roof from, uh, from last year. Um, I mean, I just... Had a down year shooting the ball, but I just stayed in the gym. Um, stayed in the gym, stayed. Knew I knew I could shoot the ball at a high clip. Just kept that confidence with me uh, going into this year. So you know, when when guys go into college ball from the prep ranks, and I'm sure it's the same from guys who go from college to the pros as well. But you're used to playing against a certain caliber competition. You're used to having some success. You come to a place, a high major program like UConn, and you don't have success right away, even though you're a freshman. So can you tell us a little about the frustration you might have felt and what's the first thing or two that you really worked on in order to be able to work past that and become the player that you kind of know you are? Um, just I just took all the frustration out. Uh, I just I, I turned it into into learning process and really bring my confidence now. I just use it as confidence uh, for next year. So I just broke all that stuff down, uh, seeing what I could do better. Um, just learn from my mistakes I did last year, uh, and just playing the game more. Learn, playing in the Big East for a year really helped me. Uh, really helped me learn the game. Helped me learn the league. Helped me learn the physicality of this league. Uh, and so, yeah. Jordan, can you speak to maybe the. Uh... The kind of impetus that that coach Hurley has been in your career. I know he's he's you know again with shooters, it's all about confidence, and mm-hmm. I know he he's been outspoken about your ability really from the time you signed at UConn. So I think UConn fans aren't surprised that you've exploded this year because Coach Hurley base, basically predicted it. Yeah, I mean, Coach Hurley, uh, he's a he's one of the best coaches I've ever had. Just gives me confidence every day. gives gives uh gives me great spots. Uh, so I. I'm just happy to have him. I'm blessed to have him. Blessed to have him as my coach. Uh, I learned a lot from him, uh, especially from last year. He he talked me up a lot last year, and he knew it was a rough time for me. Uh, so, uh, I just, Coach Hurley, I give all the credit to him. You know, you had a little bit of a rougher time than maybe you expected last year, and then you guys come into this year and you bolt out of the gate. 14-0, and ranked high as number two in the nation, and then you guys hit a couple of bumps in the road. What was your process like in trying to work through that? And then how did you relate that to the team? What did you and your teammates talk about when you go through all of that? I mean, we just stay with, stay with, the, stay with the process. We know this builds championship teams. Like, it's never been easy for anybody that's won a national championship. So this was this was build character, was build teams. And uh, I think I think we needed that to, to, to really humble ourselves and just know we're not, we're not uh, unbeatable. So. So you, you mentioned you, you thought you had to humble yourselves. Did you think you guys were overconfident at any stretch? Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, you, I guess you can say that. I mean, 14 and 0, uh, being some of the best teams in the country, uh, we was on a roll. Uh, then uh, this reality hit. Hey, uh, Jordan, uh, how about uh, what, do you, what do you think maybe the two things that your team needs to improve on between now and, uh, and March? Uh, I just always say our defense can get better. Uh, defense can get better. Keeping teams under a certain percentage every game, um, and uh, just 
probably cleaning things up on offense, turning the ball over less, uh, try to get the ball inside more, uh, inside and out. Uh, so, yeah. We like to ask uh, student athletes from time to time, Jordan, uh, about some of their favorite spots to play other than their own home arena. So I'm yeah. going to pose that one to you as well. What's your favorite building or your least favorite building, depending upon your your point of view, I guess, that you like to go into other than Gamble and other than the XL Center? Uh, I mean, I'm a D.C. guy, so probably uh, Capital One. That's when the family can come in there. Uh, but the environment, uh, Xavier, Xavier environment is something different. Like, they're – their home route really comes out and gets loud in there. So, your teammate uh, Adama Sonogo, can can you speak to his leadership, uh, Jordan, and maybe the fact that now you know you have to provide an awful lot of that leadership as well. I mean, Adama's an incredible man. Like he's an incredible player, incredible guy. I'm just in the gym every day. He's more of a lead by example type of guy. Like he gets in here every day in the morning, does does his daily routine. It doesn't change. It's just the same thing every day. Uh, takes the shots he uh, takes in the game, and that's why he's just he's a perfectionist. That's why he's so great at what he does. So. Is that sort of an example for the rest of you guys? And and does everybody play off of that uh, that that pace that he sets? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just seeing one of the best guys do that in the country do that just uh, tells you, yeah, you got to get in your gym yourself. So just seeing Who, him, that team that determined is is impressive. Who's your favorite Husky to play with, and who's your favorite challenge? to play against in the league if you have one? Uh, favorite Husky to play with? I mean, I love playing with all these guys. Uh, I mean, biggest challenge is probably, I'm not sure. Xavier's a really good team. They're a really mm -hmm. good team. Um, Marquette's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not sure about about that. I mean, Villanova's always hard to play against. Um, they just, yeah, probably Villanova. Uh, they had a down year this year, but they're always just in the right spots, always communicating. I mean, they just never go away. Jordan, we, we've talked a little bit about you know, the bumpy road you guys had in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you've had two wins uh, in your last three games with Butler and DePaul. You got Georgetown this weekend. Uh, momentum is important in college basketball. Is that the focus of the Huskies right now is to get that hot streak back going again? I, I think right now we're just taking it game by game, uh, media by media time. I was just taking in the little steps as possible, uh, just trying to perfect and just control we can what we control uh, on the offensive, defense, and just play our play our bus off, get all the fifty fifty balls, and uh, uh, fortunately we'll we'll get back to the spot we were at. Just do those things, Jordan. I got a last one for you here. Uh, of all the things that you probably feel like you need to work on, what do you think is going to make you the best Jordan Hawkins you can be for UConn? Uh, just becoming a two way player, uh, play on both ends, uh, just try to play make more. Uh, get my teammates involved. If I can get other guys shots, that would be huge. That's UConn sophomore guard Jordan Hawkins. The Huskies rolled past DePaul Tuesday night this week on the road and will stay on the road this weekend to play at Georgetown before returning home to challenge Marquette. Who's hot? The Big East Player of the Week. The weekly honor roll and a blast from the past are all next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Five on the shot clock. Kolick down the left side of the lane. Banks it home past Whitmore. The point guard going to work down the stretch. The biggest lead of the night for Marquette. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, Player of the Week honor. Kevin, we've called this young man's name before. Tyler Kolick of Marquette clearly 
has to be one of the most valuable pieces to anyone's puzzle in the Big East Conference race this year. Well, John, I think he's a candidate for Big East Player of the Year. He should be. He should be. Yeah, and you think about it, there's so much talent in the league. You wouldn't say that Tyler's, quote, one of the most talented guys. He's the most important to his team, maybe if anybody in the league, and that's why he's a candidate for, again, most outstanding player. Any way you want to define that ultimate prize, Tyler Kolek is certainly in the running. At 24 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, 3 steals, just missed a triple-double in a win at DePaul last week. As far as the freshman of the week, A.J. Store of St. John's, 17.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists in a 1-1 one one week for the Johnnies. Store is becoming more and more an integral part of the Red Storm's lineup. Oftentimes, freshmen kind of grow on me. You know, you see them early and you're like, well, he, he's a ways away. AJ Store did, didn't even play much in the first 10 games or so of, of the Red Storm season. But when he throws in 23 against Creighton, that checks the box for me. On the honor roll, Ryan Nebhard, Creighton, Primo Spears, Georgetown, David Joplin, Marquette. There's a nice one, two, three right there. Oh, yeah, Jared Bynum from Providence. Welcome back, old friend. And Colby Jones, Xavier. Each one of those guys, oh, my. Uh, when they get it going, they make it doubly tough for their teams to get beat. You know, John, just look at the classes of those guys. Uh, three of the five are sophomores, uh, with, with Nemhart. Uh, maybe being the most well-known. People need to know who David Joplin is. You know, 28 points in 24 minutes against DePaul. Uh, uh, that opens your eyes. And, and then the older guys. Uh, Colby Jones has done it all at Xavier. Uh, obviously one of the very best players in the league. And then uh, Providence, certainly very, very happy to see Jared Bynum not only back, but back as Jared Bynum, rescuing the Friars in their important victory at Villanova. Our Wayback Machine doesn't really travel all that far back this week, if only to point out that Big East history can be made, and we don't even know what happens. Morsell again! He's taking over the game. He's a one-man run! Daryl Morsell! More inside, Morsell says no! Lewis, three in transition, yes! One year ago, February 2nd, 2022, Marquette jumped out to an early lead and never trailed in an 83-73 win against number 12 Villanova at Fiserv Forum. The Golden Eagles led at halftime before the Wildcats chopped the deficit to three. Marquette's Daryl Morsell scored the game's next eight points to help his team regain a comfortable advantage. That leads us to this week's win for the Golden Eagles as well over Villanova. And coupled with their win over the Cats in December, Kevin, Marquette is the first Big East team to beat Villanova four straight times since the league's reconfiguration 10 years ago. That's checking the box. That, that, that is a tough one for sure. We know what Jay Wright and the Wildcats have meant to the league since its re reconfiguration. I, I will say this. I, I think this Villanova team still has something to say between now and the end of this season. I think that's why they they brought Justin Moore back. He wanted to continue to play, right? He wants to work toward possible professional career on down the line and thinks that you know they may be able to pull something together here in the late run. You don't want to play Villanova. Like you said, Seton Hall is no longer in that middle of the pack, but you certainly don't want to see the Pirates anytime soon. The middle of this league is not going away. This year in the Big East, familiar players' names not only dot the rosters, but also up and down the sidelines, especially from the guys who stalk them. It's been almost as if Marty McFly and Doc Brown took their own time machine to places like Cincinnati and Indianapolis, for instance. Another who has come home is hoping this time around to ultimately, well, 
Turned it out just like the last time when he launched his own notable career. Butler's Thad Mata is next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Here we go from Hinkle Fieldhouse. The Bulldogs control the tip. Thad Mata said he wants to pound the ball inside, but the ball has to stay moving before you can attack some sort of mismatch. Lukosius pops and buries it. First shot of the game goes down for Butler. Taylor knocks it down. Seven points for Taylor, four rebounds, but even better defensively on Caleb Daniels in the post. Well, after a couple of double-digit losses for the Bulldogs, they come home and get a W against Villanova, Nick. Their third win in league play. How's that saying go again? You can't go home again? I guess Thomas Wolfe once wrote that. There are more than a few Big East coaches living that this season. One of those is at Butler, where a BU alumnus, an ex-player, and a former head coach in Thad Mata has returned this season to build on a legacy that he's already a big part of. Mata joins us this week in the Big East. Coach, for those that don't know, you spent a short amount of time away from the active sidelines before jumping back in for this season. How did you decide this was the right time to return and that Butler was the right place? You know, it's funny. I I, I think that I've, I've always lived my life uh, just sort of trusting my gut. And, uh, you know, for some reason, this one felt right for me. And, and, and I think, you know, being away from coaching, it was one of those things that I had looked at some jobs and I thought, you know, uh, if, it, if it felt right, I would do it. And, and, and this one, for all the right reasons, I think just, you know, what, what Butler University means for me, um, you know, it, it has a special place in my heart in terms of, uh, you know, what it what it did for me as as a person, as a player, as a coach, um, you know, and I just felt like it was an obligation to come back here and, and, and try to build this program. Coach, you probably can offer the most perspective than anyone. Imagine how much Butler has changed since you were the head coach in 2001. You know, they go to a couple of final fours. Uh, the, the, the arena that you're sitting in is, is, is dramatically changed and improved and they're in a new league. I mean, across the board, there's been dramatic changes. Can you just speak to the challenges, you know, that you're walking into here that are just very different than the first time around? Yeah. Well, there's, there's no question. This is a, a just a completely different job. You know, I, the thing that I love is the university is still the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I think, you know, for, for the, uh, everything that, that the university stands for, I mean, that, that hasn't changed. And, and I love that fact from the basketball component. Um, you know, there's, there's no doubt that this is a, a completely different job than when I was here in 2000. And, you know, as a player in, in the late eighties, um, you know, the, the big East is, is one of the best college basketball conferences in the country. There's no doubt about that. And, and, um, uh, you know, we knew coming in that, that we're, uh, in a period of, of, you know, we got to get this thing heading in the right direction. And, um, uh, I think that's something that, you know, I knew personally taking this job, there were going to be challenges ahead. And, and, um, um, you know, it's just like I said, we're, we're, uh, it's, it, you're playing a completely different level of competition every time you take the floor. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's also exciting though. How do the lessons that you learned at your other stops 
How are they benefiting you here at Butler, as you say, as you try to reestablish the program? What did you say for what did you learn at Ohio State, for instance? What did you learn, you know, back at Xavier? What did you learn about those places that you're able to apply here? Well, I, I think this, you know, like when, when we went to Ohio State in 04, um, you know, that program was in was in turmoil. And, uh, you know, my first year we were banned from the NCAA tournament. We were docked scholarships, recruiting days, uh, official visits, uh, you know, all that. And, and I think the biggest thing I learned was you just stay the course and, and, you know, you, you, uh, you recruit like crazy and, and, uh, you try to make the kids that you have the best that they can possibly be. But probably most important, you, you, you start to lay your foundation in terms of building a, a program, not, not just a team, but a program. And, and I think that's what we're in the midst of right now is, is just trying to get everything heading in the right direction to where, you know, the, the, the future of Butler basketball continues to get better. John, Coach uh, Mata is one of the most successful coaches in college basketball for the last uh, 20 years. And I think the Big East is happy to have him. Uh, I, I'm curious, Thad, that there's probably some stops that you've never made in your career, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's Connecticut, I know you've been to Providence, I think, in, in the past and and you were there recently. Uh, what's your initial impressions of the league and of the strength and depth of the league? Well, you know, it's funny because I, 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 I've laughed a couple of times, you know, I'm coaching places I've never been before. And, um, you know, that's uh, that, that's kind of exciting. That's revigorating. And and uh, um, but I. I am blown away by this league and just the the caliber of players in this league the coaching in this league um you know the venues that that you go into you know i i always said i, I thought the big 10 was was the hardest league to coach in just because of uh, uh you know the the places where you were playing and and um you know i you know, we go to Providence, sold out. We go to uh, UConn, sold out. I mean, it's just like it's 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 a heck of a league. There's no doubt about that. And and like I said, there's there's unbelievable talent in this league. I mean, there's never a night that uh, uh, you're not like, wow, these guys can can really play. And uh, you know, that's I think what college basketball is all about. You got to play your best, or you're going to get beat. Butler head coach Thad Mata joining us this week in the Big East. All right, Cole, let, let's let's take a look at your team uh, as it stands right now. Where do you feel like your progress has gotten to to this point? I know you you, you started out great, I think, for a while there in the non-conference portion of the schedule. You beat a Kansas State team that's kind of still lighting it up, you know, on the national picture, and then things haven't gone the way that you certainly would like them to have gone in league play. What's been the issue? What's been the biggest issue that you can find that you think could be correctable? Well, I, you know, we're, we are, we're struggling right now. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, and, um, you know, I, I think just, uh, you know, one thing, and, and this is, it's not an excuse at all, but I, I've never coached a team that's been more, uh, banged up and injured than, than we have. And, and, you know, even from the component of, of adding guys at mid season, I, the only guy I've ever added to my team during the season was Greg Oden. That went really well, I will tell you mm -hmm. that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we've just been disheveled. I, I think, you know, we, we went through a stretch to open up the, the Big East where we played six games in 16 days. And we just finished a, a stretch where we played three games in six days. We're getting ready to do that again, coming off this bye week. And, you know, with the limited numbers, you know, we went a month with seven guys we weren't able to practice and, and, you know, you look at those, uh, as, as a coach, 
you know, you're, you start your season in, in early November and, you know, you're still, you're still grinding. You're looking at your team and, and saying, okay, we got to get better in these areas. And, and we didn't have that luxury this year. And, and, you know, we, we've had guys that have played injured. We, we've had to shut Manny Bates down and, and lost him for three games. And it's just been, you know, we haven't had that continuity. We haven't had that, that flow, you know, uh, and it's, it's really, really been challenging, um, you know, from a standpoint, you know, we sit in the office and in the meeting room and we're trying to design practice and we find out, well, we've only got eight guys today. So we're, like, oh, we're not playing five on five today. And, and, and I know that happens, you know, across college basketball, but it, it has been been a a unbelievable challenge for this group uh coach last one I, i'm curious your impressions well i know your impressions are good because they're two very good players uh chuck harris and, and seamus lukosius two big east veterans two players that big east fans are really familiar with uh certainly building blocks for you yeah I, I, you know i think both guys uh you know chuck's out this week he, he got hit in the head uh in the game saturday um but i you know i think both guys are are uh, have have shown to play some really good basketball, and, and you know that's probably been the the most frustrating thing for me is is uh, you know as as I look throughout the course of the season, dating back to when we're in the Bahamas, you know we we've played some really really good basketball, and and those guys have been a, a pivotal part of that. But we need the consistency. We need to know uh, just what we're going to get every night when we take the floor. Um, but I, I you know like I said. You know, CMOS has really, really been playing well for us, scoring the ball. And, um, you know, we got we to gotta continue to build off of that. Thanks, Butler head coach Thad Mata. He's seen his Bulldogs ride a roller coaster of emotions and performances thus far this season. As for the national perspective, past the halfway point of conference schedule, some teams feel like they're already in the dance and playing for seeding. Others are still hoping to reach that breakthrough moment to get an invitation, and still others are hoping merely to blow a bubble that might still burst someday. CBS Sports Network's John Rothstein will size up the contenders and the pretenders next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Back it goes to Kaluma on the left wing. Jays will have to space this one out. Shireman deep three. He's got it! Shireman! Four feet behind the arc, reigns the three. Creighton by 16, matching their largest lead. And a timeout, Xavier. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Getting that March Madness feeling just yet? We're still a little more than a month away from conference tournaments even taking place, and yet the expectation and pressure is beginning to build on just about every college campus in the country and within just about every locker room. CBS Sports' John Rothstein has a pretty good gig following that pressure and expectation in the nooks and crannies of America, and he joins us this week in the Big East. Hey, John, what about these nooks and crannies within the Big East? What have you found this season maybe that has surprised you a little bit? Well, I think we have to start, guys, with the reigning Big East regular season champions, the Providence Friars. I mean, with all due respect to Providence's program, this is not a blue blood program that's expected to annually replenish talent at a high level. But Ed Cooley has lost five starters from last season's team that won the Big East regular season title, went to the Sweet 16, and is now in position not just to get back to the NCAA tournament, but to get back to the NCAA tournament with a quality seed. So Ed Cooley is not getting the same level of national attention as he was last year when he was obviously a primary candidate 
for national coach of the year, but he's doing just as good of a coaching job. Well, John, I wonder, and you're absolutely right about the Friars, but but I wonder if in his own conference, he's slightly overshadowed this year by Marquette and Shaka Smart, uh, 17 and five at, at midweek anyways, uh, certainly the, the biggest surprise. And maybe, maybe that's what checks the boxes for, Coach of the Year uh, awards is you know someone like sure. like a like a Tang out at Kansas State and, and someone like uh, Shaka Smart. Yeah, there's no question about it, Kevin. And you know the interesting thing, you know, going over the numbers, this is without question the best offensive team that Shaka Smart has had. You know, the only team that he's coached as a head coach that's come close to these types of numbers offensively is the 2012-13 VCU team, which ironically enough is the last team that he had that won a game in the NCAA tournament. So. Shaka Smart, without question, has somehow lost Justin Lewis, lost Daryl Morsell, and has a better basketball team. And it's not just a basketball team, guys, that I think is obviously going to be right there to win a Big East regular season title. Marquette looks the part of a team that can win multiple games in the NCAA tournament. But as you guys know, this is only February. Right, exactly. So so in, in terms of Marquette, at least, let's go back to the Golden Eagles for just a second, John, because in all honesty, uh, you just kind of mentioned some of the turnover that they had in their personnel, yet this is a better team. Is this because of the talent developing? Is this because of Shaka's system catching on? Have you been able to put your finger on what it might be that has actually kind of turned the program around there in Milwaukee? Well, you know, guys, Marquette in a lot of ways is a throwback to what college basketball used to be. You have a group of players together. They stay in the same program, and then they get better and progress gradually over the course of their college careers. Marquette is a team, again, when you look at their chemical makeup, that did not add an impact transfer via the transfer portal in this past offseason. Their core guys, Tyler Kolick, Cam Jones, David Joplin, Olivier Maxence Prosper, Oso Igadaro, all of those players were a part of Marquette's program last season. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big reason why we've seen so much continuity with this basketball team this year. And you have to give Shaka credit, obviously, for the development that he's done with Ogadaro and also with Maxence Prosper. They haven't just taken, I think, you know, gradual steps. They've taken quantum leaps forward this season. You know what this tells me, guys? It kind of tells me, in all honesty, the coaches just aren't really smart. They had this team picked ninth before this season started. Yeah, and, you know, guys, I'm looking at this more and more in this new landscape that we have in college basketball with obviously so much roster turnover. The most underrated thing when you think about team success is retaining your players and you look at the situation that we have right now with some of the best teams in college basketball, you know, the best teams have player retention. Virginia has great player retention. They sprinkled in obviously a a transfer from Ohio and Ben Vanderplas, but everybody else was a part of that team last year. TCU, who I firmly believe if healthy, can be the best team in the Big 12, returned all five starters from last season's team that took Arizona to the brink in the round of 32. Mm -hmm. And then I think you look at a team like UCLA, the nucleus and the core of that team in terms of their veterans, Jalen Clark, Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, they were all a part of the team two years ago that went to a Final Four and almost beat Gonzaga. And how about this? UCLA right now is the only program among among power conference teams, that's the Power Five in the Big East, that doesn't have a transfer in its program. 
we're overlooking one right under our nose here in the Big East. Uh, Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Nemhart, sure. all back. And then, you know, Greg McDermott went out and got, uh, I think, one of the best fit transfers in the country yeah. for sure in Baylor Shireman. And, you know, the one player who might be overlooked a little bit in, in this mix, I think Big East people like us, we see it, is Kalkbrenner. I, th- I think yeah. he's a candidate for player of the year. They've only lost, they have eight losses, the Jays, and should be in the top 25 if people actually watch the games. But uh, only five losses with Kalkbrenner, very dangerous team come, uh, Mar- uh, come March, John. I wonder, because of so many losses, will they be maybe one of those underseeded dangerous teams? You know, call me crazy, guys, but I'm looking at this, and, you know, I'm somebody like you guys. You love to draw parallels to other scenarios. Creighton could be this season's North Carolina. Now, I'm not saying that Creighton's going to go to the national title game and obviously take the eventual national champion down to the final possession, but if you're looking for a team that maybe didn't have the record that many thought it would at the start of the season and then goes into the bracket with a seed lower than many thought it would but could play deep into the field, I think Creighton is that basketball team. Mm -hmm. And when you think about what Creighton did a year ago, Creighton took Kansas, the eventual national champion, to the wire in the round of 32. Ryan Kalkbrenner doesn't play in that game. Ryan Nemhard doesn't play in that game, both due to injury. So the guys on that team, Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma, have that NCAA tournament experience. And this is the biggest thing I like about Creighton. That starting five, Nemhard, Alexander, Shireman, Kaluma, Kalkbrenner, that starting five can look any starting five in college basketball in the eye and not be intimidated. Agreed. And I would also tell you, as we visit with CBS's John Rothstein here this week of the Big East, I would tell you that if there's an Achilles heel within you know Creighton's lineup, it's probably got to be that bench. They just don't go as deep as they'd like to go. I totally agree with you, John. I think that Frederick King, Mason Miller, also Francisco Farabello have to get better over the Mm -hmm. next five weeks. And you guys, sometimes, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, and Kevin, you know, Rick Pitino has always said this, I know you're very familiar with over the years from his ties to Providence. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when we get to this point in the season, guys, around the time of the Super Bowl, everybody kind of has an idea of one of you know who's going to be in the NCAA tournament for the most part, and there starts to be a little bit of a gradual stop. These next four or five weeks and progressing and still getting better, especially when it comes to developing your bench, is critical in terms of setting yourself up to play your best basketball in the NCAA tournament. And I'll give you a perfect example. A team that obviously has a chance to win it all. Alabama was covering off a loss on Tuesday night and decimated Vanderbilt by 57 points. But the bench of Alabama outscored the entire team of Vanderbilt 48-44. When you're getting that type of pop off the bench, much like we saw last year with Providence having Mm -hmm. Jared Bynum, it is a major, major weapon in your arsenal. Hey, John, one more, uh, if we can. Uh, The loss of Zach Fremantle at uh, Xavier. Uh, Timing is probably not awful if he can be back within a month before the conference tournament. Certainly uh, a shot for the Musketeers, but what's your spin on that one? Well, you know, it's interesting, guys. I was in Cincinnati at a Xavier practice before the season, and I remember this vividly. One of the things that Sean Miller was working on that day in practice was using Colby Jones more as a small ball foreman, which we know could obviously in the Big East be a major, major weapon. But in order to do that, you're going to need another perimeter player 
to play capable as a starter. So I think the guy to watch for Xavier moving forward is Desmond Claude. And he is, is he going to be good enough to allow Colby Jones to play more minutes at power forward, which I firmly believe would make Xavier a better defensive team, which has really been what's ailed this team moving forward. So I think a lot of people from the periphery are going to say, well, obviously Jerome Hunter has to step on and so on and so forth. I remember being at a Xavier practice and Xavier specifically working on Colby Jones as a small ball four. But the only way you can do that is if another perimeter piece is up to the task. Des Claude's the guy. That's great, John. CBS Sports Network's John Rothstein with his insight on, well, what a nook and cranny might be within the Big East Conference. Who's got next? The big games on the schedule and where the road ahead will lead us all next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Bounce pass to Moore, left wing. Nine seconds it counted. Moore puts up the contested three over Igadaro. Count the bucket from beyond the arc. 35-31 Villanova. Cam Jones puts up the prayer and knocks it down right in front of the half-court line at the buzzer. Back and forth we go, and it's a 35-34 Villanova lead after 20 minutes in the books. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. Who's got next this weekend? Marquette, Xavier, Creighton are all at home. Kevin, we started the program by talking about defending the home floor, and three contending teams all have a chance to defend it this Saturday. Yeah, need to get it done. You know, all games that that kind of must-win category for those three. However, watch out for St. John's at Xavier. St. John's is, again, one of those trick-or-treat teams uh, can get it going. Xavier, you know, good for them. They stood up and protected their home court against Providence in their first non-Zach Fremantle game. Have to do it again on Saturday. Yeah, UConn can win one on the road. They got to go to Georgetown as well. Butler will play at Marquette as part of that uh, trio of home games on Saturday. Sunday, DePaul plays at Seton Hall as the Pirates continue to try to hold the home fort. Tuesday, Marquette plays at UConn. That's definitely a feature moment, I think, for the week. Well, big game for the Huskies. You know, uh, obviously have struggled a little bit here in the Big East after an unbelievable non-conference uh, situation. And now. Uh, they're in great shape on the metrics. We've talked about that, you know, on the show. They need to get a few signature wins, and you know that the way this league is shaking out, John, those signature wins have come at home. So great opportunity with Marquette coming to town. The fourth and fifth place teams, as it presently stands, will meet on Wednesday with Creighton playing at Seton Hall. So, again, another moment and another home opportunity for the Seton Hall Pirates on Wednesday. There's also a Friday game next week when Xavier will travel to Butler. So some interesting games beginning to shape up over the course of the next week that will probably start to make a little bit of a dent or a little change in the league standings. Well, Seton Hall is an interesting one, right? I mean, they're in the mix. They need to be firmly in the mix. And to beat a team like Creighton, who, by the way, John, how is Creighton not ranked in the top 25? We can make an argument that Creighton's playing as well as anyone in the league right, right. now. Uh, and, and, hey, we know that by the end of the year, they'll be in the top 25, and they might be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Kevin, I'll tell you that, that to me, and you would know this as well as anybody because you're a top 25 voter, that has to do with people who don't see Creighton play 
and they see only that they have eight losses on the season or that they lost six in a row at one point this year. That's unfair to the to the polling system. Well, you know, I, I kind of get it, you know, when you look at the records and you may, you know, you're right. There's no way you can see every team in the country. And so you look at the numbers when you see the records and you see eight losses and you just say, I, I'm not going to vote for anyone with eight losses. Well, that's fine. But but if your goal is to put in the top 25 best teams in the country on that day. Right. Well, Creighton clearly is one of those. Well, that's what it should be. I mean, the top 25 polls are a snapshot of the way college basketball stands in a particular day or in a particular week in this case. Granted, Creighton has struggled at one point in time this season, but right now you can't convince me, and as I know they can't convince you, that they're not a top 25 team. Well, and and dig a little deeper. Eight losses, three of those eight came without uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, who, again, may be the Big East player of the year. So certainly an impactful loss uh, for the Jays. Our thanks this week to UConn's Jordan Hawkins, Butler's Thad Mata, and CBS Sports Network's John Rothstein for joining us. Thanks to our flagship radio stations for all of the calls you hear on the show, to Learfield and to ESPN for assistance in their use. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins. Thanks to our executive producers, John Paquette, Scott Hecht, Kevin Ivany at the Big East. And thank you to the coaches and administrators at the 11 Big East member institutions for making themselves available to us and also to you. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster and at Kevin McNamara33. And use that hashtag. You can reach us on Twitter by using the hashtag TWITBE, T-W-I-T-B-E, for your questions. We'll be back same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.